Welcome to all of you that are watching online, our Southeast campus, all of that. So two things before we jump in. I got to say, this gal down here doing this, she is killing it down here. Like, if you come to the 10 o'clock, you ought to just sit over here, right? Am I right? Like, it's an entirely different experience. So now this is going to be like the favorite section for all time. I'm just watching her. I'm like getting my worship on watching her. Like, and that's hard because, you know, there you go. Secondly, secondly, um, we're just celebrating yesterday. This room was filled with about 300 folks who participated in our financial piece one day. Some of you were here yesterday for that, right? And that was lame. You got more applause than the financial piece thing did. And the thing that was awesome is I was seeing pictures yesterday of people cutting up credit cards right here in the room. Like they're literally going, all right, I'm done with that. And that was awesome, awesome, awesome. And you received a flyer as you came in today because one of the things that we believe in is as we move forward in different series and different um, themes that we want to always provide you with some next steps to build on. We don't don't believe that this is the beginning or that this is the end, but we believe it is a beginning towards some other things. And so one of the things that's really important that we believe is planning for the future, planning for what comes next. So we have a financial seminar that takes place in just a few weeks. You received a flyer coming in that really deals with the idea of trust and living trust and it's free we provide it as a service to you so we want to just make you aware of that mark that on your calendar and make sure you are here for it on that Saturday as it's going to be staffed in such a way that will really help you as you move forward and the reason we're doing all of this is because of what I call the cloud you may not know what it is I'm not talking about the Microsoft cloud or the internet cloud or your all of that I'm talking about the cloud all right, you, you have one, you just don't know it. We, when we were uh, just newly married and we started taking trips, once we had kids, we discovered the cloud. Our favorite vacation early on in our kids' life was always Disneyland. I mean, that was just our go-to. And so we would go to Disneyland and we would hang out at Disneyland all the time. It was kind of a yearly event. But Disney is not for bargain hunters. And so usually without fail, about a day or two, I might even get into day two, usually we were standing in line for like our 12th churro, that $5.50 dough and cinnamon sugar thing that they sell you. And my wife would look over and she would see it. It would be like that dark cloud would come over the top of me and I would begin to feel it and everything would get really muddled. And the problem was, here's the cloud. We were there and we had not planned And we were spending money that we did not have. And so even though it was supposed to be this amazing experience and this amazing vacation, now the entire experience for the rest of our time together would be clouded by this sense of doom. You know, it's like we're all drinking water, free water, share it, all right? One churro, you get this. I mean, that's how it would go. What was supposed to be a time of fun and relaxation and peace became a place of panic. Now, maybe the cloud doesn't hit you in that way. Perhaps it shows up as you're walking the lot of that car dealership. Or maybe you're sitting down looking at the menu at that we don't belong here, it's too expensive restaurant. You're looking across the table at your spouse thinking this was a bad idea. It's the cloud. Maybe it's while you're waiting in long lines with your overflowing cart at Costco. You should have never walked in. (laughs) But I want to tell you something that probably nobody 
is telling you, and you're going to be really glad that I let you in on this secret. It's usually why the financial cloud shows up in your life. And you may have walked in this morning, and it's kind of following you to your seat. It's just there. And here's the secret I want to tell you. There is a big difference between your standard of living and your quality of life. I want you to read it off the screen with me. I want this to get into your heart today. All right, ready? There is a big difference between your standard of living and your quality of life. And every single day, guess what? You're being told something else. You're being inundated with marketing, advertisements, telling you that those two things, standard of living and quality of life, are actually the same. That if I raise my standard of living, I drive a better car, dress in better clothes, vacation in better spots, eat in nicer places, or that everything I have can be upgraded or shinier. If I do that, I will have a better quality of life. That is absolutely not true. It is a lie. Fake news, all right? It is. It is. I know that if you're honest in this room, some of you are not enjoying the quality of your life, and yet you have a higher standard of living than ever before. There is no greater amount of peace in your home. Your standard of living has been raised throughout the years, but you don't get along any better. In fact, you argue about money and about stuff all the time, and you have more stuff than you've ever had, and you're not enjoying it. Why? Because there's a difference between standard of living and quality of life. And you can raise your standard of living easily. It's called debt. Scott talked about that. Last weekend, quickly gets out of control. But you raise your quality of life with this thing called discipline. Unfortunately, too many of us like debt more than we like discipline. Don't ever confuse those two things. Because we believe there is a God. We believe there is. And he cares so deeply about you. He knows your, ta- he knows your name. What would you guess that God is more concerned about? If you're a Christian, you believe that he sent his son into this world to give his life for you. What do you think he is more interested in? Your standard of living or your quality of life? Let me ask it this way. If you're married, if you're married what would you rather have? An awesome marriage or a horrible marriage with a bunch of cool cars? Don't answer that, all right? No, right? Some of you have tried that. You're trying it right now. You've got an awesome car. You've got a cool house, lots of toys, but you don't even like going home. Your standard of living is high, and your quality of life is in the toilet because you fell for a lie. And it's not the advertiser's It's not the marketer's fault. It's your fault. You've been deceived. Lynn Twist, she wrote a fascinating book called The Soul of Money, in which she says the following. Money has only the power we assign it. And we've assigned it immense power. We've created a money monster. So today I want to flip the light switch on this money monster. I want to illuminate it. I want us together in this place to confront this monster head on so we can take responsibility and we can take power over where we are. And I want to show you something, and I'm going to do some drawing. You excited? I'm I'm going to draw, all right? I got colors. I got colors. So I want to show you something. It's what we call, it's what I call the margin chart. This is where you go, ooh. 
exactly. All right, now, some of you are going to want to draw along with me. Now, there's three things before I start drawing that I believe is true of you. All right, there's three things. The first one is this. You're sitting here today, and you are living on a percentage of your income. Now, you may not think about it that way, but all of us are, right? Some of us are living on less than our income, and some of us are living on greater than our income. But we're all living on a percentage of it. We don't think of it that way sometimes, but we are. The second thing is, most of us think if you had a little bit more, things would be fine, right? Things would be fine. How many times have you thought that, especially when it gets tight, 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 tight? You're trying to pay bills, but it's had a little bit more. But because we never choose a percentage that we're going to live on, and our lifestyles continue to match our incomes, this is true of us. And finally, the third thing is, you thought if you had a little bit more, things would be fine, but you also felt that way when you made a lot less. Ten years ago, if someone told you you're going to make as much money as you do now, and yet you're still going to feel financial pressure, you would have laughed at them. You would say, if I ever get to the place where I made this, I would be golden, I would be happy, I would be content, I would be peaceful, and you're, you're sitting here right now, better off probably than you were before, and you still have that cloud hovering over you, all right? So here's the visual. You ready? I'll go slow. Visual is this. This is your money. Not my money, your money. All right, this is your money, and this is time. This is time, all right? And all of us, Okay, we believe ideally in our lives that we'll start here, and as time goes on, if this is our income, it's just going to continue to do this. And you're like, wow, Lee, that's a pretty steep line, right? We're going to do that. And again, this is ideal, and I get it. And don't think in like thousands of dollars. Just think relative to your income, the beginning point of your income, that we believe that ideally over time it's going to go like Now, some of you are like, yeah, mine looks like this, right? Some of you are like, woo, mine looks like this. I get it, all right? But ideally, we believe these two things, that you're going to have an income, and over the course of your life, if things go that direction, that it's going to increase over time, all right? And as well, we also know that you're going to spend. So we're going to start here. And ideally, if we do things right, or maybe you already are doing things right, your spending is going to look something like this, okay? And it's going to go up like this. So this is our spending, And if this line above is our income, you notice something that's really important, and it's really the basis of everything that we're talking about today. It's important that we get this. This space in between these two lines is what we all tend to miss, all right? It's what we call margin, margin. And if over time, right, those two lines go like this, and this margin Increases, and these lines move this direction, and this line moves this direction, and there's more and more space. Guess what you get? You get peace. Whew, right? So even if you're not a Christian, you're just checking out church, you're checking out this Jesus thing. All of us want that, don't we? All of us want that. And God wants that for us, that we would have that kind of margin in our life because you can breathe deeper. You can live free. You can be more generous all the time. You have a better quality of life. Now, and you're like, I get this, Lee, right? You're not, you're, you get this. You're looking at me like I'm stupid. But here's the, the thing. Here's where most of us are. Over time, what happens is the arrows actually go this way, right? Especially if we allow our income 
to drive our spending, right? Then what do we feel? It ain't peace. We feel pressure, right? For a lot of us, over time, this, this line can come together, and even if it does this, and it moves across the way, and all of a sudden, we're feeling that pressure. Maybe you make $30,000 a year, but you spend $30,000 a year. You're feeling the pressure. Then you, your income goes up. The green line goes up. You make $45,000 a year, and guess what you spend? Forty-five. You make sixty. Some of you, you make two hundred fifty. Don't raise your hand. You make two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. But guess what? You spend two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. And when your life, when your life looks like this, or even like this, guess what that makes you? It makes you a slave. It makes you a slave to your money. You purchase and borrow your way into slavery. Money is now your master, and you have no margin. You can't buy that. You can't drive that. You can't live there. We can't go on that trip. She can't go to that school. We can't give to that need. Why? Because money is now your master. And that pressure as those lines come together, income spending, that pressure is beginning to mount. You can't fund your, your dreams. You can't fund your children's dream. And you become a slave emotionally, and you worry all the time, and that financial cloud hovers over you. And it will go on and on and on, unless you finally say, enough already, and do something about it. This entire thing about living under pressure and as a financial slave is not, you, is not new at all. Jesus predicted this reality over 2,000 years ago. He was always talking about money. He was. Sometimes we're nervous to talk about money when we come to these verses. And then you open the Bible and Jesus always talked about it. Because he knew the way we approached and the way we handled our money was a big reflection on how we approached and how we looked towards God. That it, it says a lot about our relationship with God, our relationship with money. And so in Luke 16, he says this after telling a parable about money. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Read this with me. You cannot serve what? Both God and money. Jesus makes this relevant comment for all of us today. You cannot serve God and money. If you find yourself in a situation where money is dictating things and putting pressure on you and pulling on you, you will feel torn between your devotion to God and your devotion to to your stuff, to your stuff. At the end of the day, you'll have to choose. And if money is your master because you've traded and you've borrowed and you've spent your way into slavery, I believe you can't even fully immerse yourself in following Jesus. But there's also another way. There is. Relief. Woo! And we find some clues in one of the most spiritually practical books in the Bible, the book of Proverbs. We glean in that book some direct wisdom from God that we can apply, principles that we can fly, apply to bring transformation. So I want you to go there on the Bible app, go there in your Bibles. I want you to look specifically at Proverbs chapter 6. And guess what? We're going to find inspiration and we're going to find direction from a very unlikely source, an ant. As you're finding it, I want to ask you this. When was the last time you thought about an ant? Probably like me last summer when they invaded your home, right? You wake up in the morning and there's that trail going up the cabinet or they're coming underneath the door. I Googled that stuff last year because we were at war, right? 
And I went to Home Depot and I bought every kind of trap and glue and all that. None of it worked. I Googled. Did you know that they don't like cinnamon? Did you know that? So I like, they actually, it didn't work that well. But we have cinnamon all over our house now. It's like, you come to our house, man, it's cinnamon toast everywhere. I mean, we've got it. (laughs) Because ants are persistent. They find a direction. They find a place that they want to go. And they will not be deterred. And so Solomon says in the book of Proverbs that we have a lot that we can learn from an ant. Here's what he says in verse 6 of Proverbs. He says, chapter 6, he says, go to the ant. Look at the ant, you sluggard. Translation of sluggard, lazy fool. It says, look at the ant, you lazy fool. Consider its ways and be wise. The ant has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet it stores its provision in summer. It has no leadership. It has no one telling it what to do. But yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Okay, so stop for a second. Ants do something without even thinking about it. They have a plan. They have a plan. They take responsibility for today because they know it actually affects tomorrow's realities. Right? What you do today, as responsible as you are, will really impact tomorrow's reality. And then ant knows. We know this. You can't control everything. You don't know what's going to happen in the economy. You can't control any of that, but there is something you can. You can master your money. You can control the monster. You take radical responsibility. Verse 9, it says this. How long, he's addressing the fool, how long will you lie there, you sluggard? Okay, don't use this on your teenager. When will you get up from your sleep? Because you say this. Oh, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. To rest, And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Now, look, what Solomon's saying is this. He's not saying poverty is just a lack of resources. He's saying poverty is a lack of planning. You may be sitting here today and you think, I'm good. I've got plenty. But Solomon would say, listen, if you don't have a plan, if you don't have this, your income may be high, but you are on the brink of poverty. You are living in scarcity. And be warned, because the ant is our example. Solomon's not messing around here. He's comparing anyone who's not willing to take responsibility for their resources, and he's making a comparison with an ant and a fool. The ant actually has a plan, while the sluggard makes excuses. The ant takes responsibility, while the sluggard takes a nap. Now, the question for you is you think about this, the ant and the fool, which one is eventually going to have margin tomorrow? The ant. Which one is eventually going to feel pressure tomorrow? The fool. No one stumbles into financial freedom, guys. That's why people who suddenly stumble into large sums of money, lottery, they win gambling, they get inherited an estate, so many times they crash and burn because they have no plan. They have no plan. But Solomon says, look at the ant. They know what they're doing. They're not just sitting around. They're not just responding to the moment. They are putting a plan in action. And a life of financial peace tomorrow depends on following a wise plan today. So what does that look like for you and I? I'm glad you asked. Because I have steps. Don't you love steps? Three steps to this, five steps to this. I got steps for you today, all right? Don't throw up in your hand. Just wait for just a second, okay? All right? right. 
I just want you to just be open, all right, to these steps, especially step number one, because some of you in this room, you just need step number one, and then you're good, okay? So humor me for a few moments, because I believe these steps can help us move forward to a place where we're more like the ant than the fool. Okay, you ready? You on the edge of your seat? Step number one is this, one word, resolve. Step, you're like, really? Yes. Decide. Step number one is I'm going to resolve to do something, okay? It's like working out. It's like most of us understand the concept behind working out. It's not really that difficult. It's all about resolve. Nobody has to explain to you the basis of exercise or walking or running or doing something like that. No one says, man, I would exercise, but I just don't know how to get started. That's not it, right? It's resolve. It's saying, I'm done with where I am. I'm going to do something. And the reason I wanted you to hear this step is because most of you, most of you, this is the only step you probably need. I mean, a lot of us in this room, we are smart. We're sophisticated people. You just need the resolve to say, I'm not going to live this way anymore. I'm I'm not going to live under this kind of pressure anymore. I'm not going to live under this kind of panic where the red line's always touching the green line. I'm not going to live that way. I hope you've listened to this series the last few weeks and you just got ticked off. I hope you did. I hope you're frustrated. I hope you didn't want to come back today. (laughs) Then we've done something that's important. You need to be mad and fired up because you need resolve. And listen, when you get this kind of resolve, just stop blaming, all right? You can stop blaming our government, a president, a prior president, the economy, your boss, your job. Stop blaming anybody else. Own it. It's your life. It's your decisions. You can can choose this or you can choose the opposite. You can choose to be the ant or you can choose to be the fool. Have resolve. Life isn't perfect. Some of us are struggling financially. I realize that some of you right now, you look at this green line and you're like, whoa, Lee, mine's more like this, right? I get it. I'm sensitive to that, all right? I hear you. But in principle, I'm saying have some resolve to begin to make a change. And here's the second step. Still with me? Step two. Your decision, your resolve, must be accompanied by a commitment to simply this, a routine. This is where you go, ooh, right? Ooh. That was less than enthusiastic. (laughs) Here's why routine is awesome. Because routine is like the gasoline on the fires of resolve, right? It's like you make a resolve, but then the next thing you need is a routine. It's like the ant. The ant knew they had to work hard. They had to do it consistently. They couldn't lay around. They couldn't sleep. Discipline is the spark to our routine. Debt is how you live. Having debt is how you have a higher standard of living. But discipline is how you have a higher quality of life. And routine means this. It means it's built in. It means there's no variance. It's mechanical. It's automatic. Because once you've established your resolve, you need to make this space part of your routine. Now, here's what I want to challenge you in right now in the room. See this space right now? Some of you haven't thought about this for a long time. I want to challenge you to a routine right now. And here's the thing. You need to pick a percentage of this green line that you're going to commit to this word. This word. Because some of you, you've been living like this is just extra. So what's left over? You need to have some resolve, and then you need to create a routine that says, I'm going to live this way. Pick a percentage. I call it your peace percentage. Your peace. Where you're going to start to find that peace. 
whatever you like. I just tell you to decide and be specific. And I want you to hang on to that number for just a second because we're going to revisit it in just a moment. The third word is this, resolve, leading to a routine that has a recipe, all right? A recipe for financial freedom. This is where my wife gets kind of crazy, all right? She's kind of nuts here. She's the keeper of the recipe, right? I'm not saying you should do anything like this. You guys have your own way. It's probably much better. I just want you to know, like, I'm not standing up here saying something and then going and doing something else. You need something like this. She's got her own spreadsheet, right? Here's our spreadsheet. Look, we blurred the numbers. Don't get crazy, all right? So you're like, ooh, look at the numbers. Trying to figure it out. You're squinting. Like, what's that number, right? <laughs> Losers, all right? This is a spreadsheet. Like every time when we get income, she goes to the spreadsheet and she starts to divvy it up. And some of you FPU people, look on the right. See that big capital E? You know what that stands for? Envelope, right? Because in FPU, we learn like we take it and we set it aside. And she literally puts it in an envelope. It's so embarrassing. Like we go to Trader Joe's and she pulls out her wallet and she opens up her envelope and it says groceries on it, right? And I'm just standing over by the door like, oh, Jesus, help them not to go to the church or anything at all, all right? But it's awesome. It's awesome because it's our recipe. It works for us, right? But here's why we do this. You say, oh, Lee, you guys are so awesome. We want to be like you. No, no, no. Catch me. Catch me here. Here's the deal. Here's why we do this. Because early in our married life, things used to be crazy. And we spent more time, we spent more time with pressure and panic. Because I talked about the cloud earlier. I have something else we used to experience as a married couple. It's what I, what I define as the call. The call. It always happened the day after we got paid. So we'd get paid and she'd start doing her stuff way before spreadsheets and envelopes. And then she'd call me at work and she'd be in tears. She said, I just did our bills and all that, and we are broke. We have no money for the next two weeks, and we just got paid. How many of you experienced the call, right? So I'm on the other end, and I'm calming her down. It's going to be all right. You know, hamburger helper, mac and cheese, ramen, we're good. And then I'd hang up, and I'd start crying. I'm like, oh, gosh, what am I doing, man? And if you get that call enough times... You finally need to have the resolve to institute a routine that actually is based on a recipe. And you have to be determined to live like an ant. I mean, we have two kids in college this fall. You want to get to the edge of financial pressure? Try that move, right? Try that move. And sure, we have those moments of tension, but we go back. We go back to the recipe time and time again, right? And so I want to give you a simple starting point, a recipe today, all right? That you can build upon. You can make it your own. You can follow your own. But this is why it's important. Because we want God to be honored. We believe that our finances are closely tied to our spirituality. To our relationship with God. And we want God to be honored in all those things. And I believe that your quality of life will increase. Leading to a more peaceful, generous life that will honor God. John Wesley was a famous theologian. He said this. Make all you can. Save all you can. Give all you can. All right? Now, his plan is pretty wise, but it's lacking some specifics. So I thought I would help us out with sugar cubes, right? Boom. These are hard to find, by the way. No one uses these anymore, all right? It's like all over town looking for these things, right? Went to the store. My wife pulled her envelope out. We pulled, paid for the sugar cubes. <laughs> but let's just, for a matter to help us, this is you on payday. Somebody, your employer, you worked hard, you, you work like an ant, 
right? You deserve your pay and they dump it into your account, all right? These are the four ingredients that I would ask you, that I would encourage you to be part of your recipe in some way, shape, or form. I'm going to say that this is about 100 cubes, all right, give or take. This is what I would call start with the eternal. The eternal is this. These are the things that are beyond you. These are the things that have great impact, that are lasting beyond your life, that are reaching beyond your sphere. These are the things where you're generous, where you give to something bigger than you, the things that are going to last for eternity. All right? And we, I'm going to put 10 in here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. We believe at the crossing, we believe in the biblical um, percentage of 10, 10% tithes. Shane's going to talk more about that next weekend. But I would just encourage you to choose a beginning percentage, an expectation, right? It's not going to happen by chance. It's going to happen by intentionality. That we're going to, and notice what I said, start with the eternal, all right? Start with the eternal. So I'm going to put 10 in there. All right? And then the second one is saving. Save for the future. Okay? And so I would encourage you to do the same thing. At least 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And here's why this is important. Right? Here's why this is important. Because we live in this culture that like we're needy now. And so your temptation is always going to be to do this. Right? Some of you are going to go in here. Right? Like, uh, not this week. Right? Boom. All right? But that's why we start with here. And we said, and then this is the one that some of you haven't thought about till today. This is that peace percentage that I just mentioned to you earlier. I want you to pull it back up. All right. I'm going to say it's just five. All right. It's that margin. It's that space. It's building that space. So I want you, I would encourage you to actually determine what that margin is going to be. If it's 5%, you're going to say, okay, we're going to take 5%. And that's, we're not touching that. It's not, it's not what we're giving. It's not our savings for the future. It's our margin. It's our peace money. And then guess what? Boom. Get crazy. Right? This is, this is today. This is the present. This is what you get to go out and you pay your mortgage and you pay your bills and you, you sign your kids up for things and you go on trips and you pay your car and you do all those things. This is today. This is the present. All right? So we start with the eternal. We save for the future. We set a specific margin. Right? And then we spend the rest. We spend the rest. This is living with an actual recipe for your financial health. And it's the difference between the way of the ant and the way of the sluggard. I know what some of you are thinking. I don't know if I could do that, Lee, right now. Because I'd have to change my standard of living. Exactly. Right? Exactly. This is what the writer of Hebrews says. It says this. Keep your lives free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. God says, I'm with you. I'm with you in the area of your finances. I'm with you. I know some of you are listening to this today and your, your income is maybe on the lower scale of things. And this becomes very difficult. But I would just impress a press upon you. If your income is adding pressure to your life, the last thing you need to do is jack your spending up to, to, to pile on to that pressure you're already feeling. I would just encourage you, because I would rather be free and have peace than have that house or have that car or drive that new truck. I'd rather have all of it. And I'm looking around this room. This is what God wants you to have. He wants you to experience peace and freedom. And there's only two words I can think of to say as we close. 
just to say to you, if you've been handling your finances in such a way that your standard of living is so high and your quality of life is so low, please hear me say these two quality words to you today. Stop it. Right? Stop. God is inviting you into this. I'm not inviting you into this. God's inviting you into this. Imagine if you had been doing this for 10 or 20 or 30 years. If you are under the age of 21, raise your hand if you're in the room right now. Everybody look at these people. If you get this, you won't be stupid like the rest of us. Right? Right? I'm telling you. Like, all of us are sitting here, we're like midlife, and we're like, oh, I'm terrible, right? I suck so bad. And, and you don't have to, right? You can get it now. And for some of us who are later down the road and you're thinking, I don't know if I can fix it, you can. Because here's what I would tell you. Start now. Start now. The next time your paycheck hits your bank account, you start now. You say, I'm going I'm to start here. I'm going to save for my future. Because guess who your future is? You, right? Save for your future. And I'm going to be specific with that set margin. And then I'm going to feel free to live out the rest in my life. And then you get to say, money, you don't own me. Money, you're not my monster. Because at the end of the day, it's not the amount that counts. It's management that makes all the difference. And when we resolve to live with the necessary routine based on a clear recipe, guess what? God honors that. God will be blessed. We can be generous and we will totally raise our quality of life and our spiritual condition all at the same time. Let me pray for you. Father, I just pray right now in this space, in this room, for those that are wrestling, as we've just been smack dab right in the middle of this over the last few weeks, where we've had to wrestle with our generosity. We've had to wrestle with our debt. We've had to wrestle with the margin and the choices we're making. God, I just pray that you would give us the resolve, that you would give us the routine, and God, you would help us to start now, to stop it and start now. God, I pray for conviction and I pray for encouragement. God, where some may be sitting hearing this and thinking I'm too far gone, God, I just pray that you would light the fire of encouragement in their heart. Let them know that they can be content, that you are with them, they can trust you. And God, we just pray that we as individuals and we as a church would be so faithful, we would be so humbled, and we would be so honoring with the resources financially that you have given us given us to use, that your kingdom, your kingdom could go forward in big ways. God, we ask it in your name. Amen. Two things before you get out of here. Don't get up. Some of you are like, ah. <laughs> Two things. One, make sure you're here next week. Make sure you, you, you take what we have. You were given a handout to kind of write down some things. Make sure you do that. Make sure you go to lunch today or just go home and have peanut butter and <laughs> talk about this and, and wrestle with that. And finally, um, Nate mentioned earlier, our production team is looking for some individuals really to help, and we have a great day next year. Make sure you stop by the Next Step area, if that's you, whether you're skilled or not, and see those guys. We'd love to have you be a part of what we do here on Sundays. We'll see you next weekend. God bless you. Have a great week.